You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield. Normally at this point in the show I would say and hoodoo is my business. But my business tonight is not about hoodoo. This is going to be a very different episode of the Now You Know Show. And before I go any further, I want to caution you all. We're going to be talking tonight about some tragic, traumatic, and terrible events. If you are not in a place where you can hear this conversation, I encourage you to just step aside. No one's going to judge you. No one's going to be against you, certainly, and least of all, not I. Please, everyone, take care of yourselves and know that I am thinking about you. Tonight, we're going to be talking 
about <clears throat> the shooting at the Pulse Gay Nightclub in Orlando, Florida. We're going to be discussing it in a number of different ways, and much later on in the show, I'm going to even open up the phone lines and be taking callers later on, not yet. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. That's what's going to be discussed this evening. I'm not sure, in all honesty, that I can tell you what it's got to do with hoodoo. All I can tell you is that these are things I must say. And so I'm going to say them here in just a little bit for what it's worth. Something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Nobody's right if everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance from behind Time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down A field day for the heat A thousand people in the street Singing songs and they're carrying signs Mostly say hooray for our side It's time we stop, hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going I get started, I want to say 
to all of those of you who this is your first time listening to the Now You Know show, I'm I'm sorry because it's it's not going to be a a normal show. It's not going to be a normal show because um, we've got no news to read. Because what more news from the past do you need? We've got no lucky numbers tonight because I'm not feeling very lucky right now. We've got no recipe because I can't keep food down on my belly. We've got no divination in you because, well, none of us saw it coming. And we've got no in the kitchen talking about a root or an herb because at this point, the BTUs from burning black candles on my workspace is enough to melt lead. Instead, what we've got is discussion and talk. This is just a little show. It's just a little show on Blog Talk Radio. This isn't national. This isn't worldwide. This is just a little show on Blog Talk Radio. And I'm just a a little guy on Blog Talk Radio. But I've been in radio on and off for a long time. And there is a certain duty that comes with the job, a certain responsibility. And this is a part of it. I want to say that this is a show like we've never had before. But I can't say that. I cannot say that. Because exactly, exactly one year ago, tonight, nine people were killed in a mass shooting at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. And the very next night, that was a Wednesday. That was Wednesday, June 16th, 2015. And the very next night, I came on the air, and we had a show of the Now You Know show, like tonight's. This is the second time I have had to sit in front of a mic and talk about this sort of thing. It's too much. First time was too much. So in case you don't know, and some people may not, you're not expected to know, this last Sunday, early morning Sunday, June the 12th, in the early hours after midnight, a gentleman came into the Pulse nightclub in Orlando, Florida. His name was uh, Omar Mateen. He was 29 years old. And he carried out a massacre in the Orlando nightclub that left 49 people dead and 53 others wounded. And uh, since then, 
there has been quite a lot of discussion about quite a lot of things. And I'm going to try to break some of it down as we go through this, which is the same thing we did a year ago today. For the massacre in the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. First thing I want to tell you is that the Pulse nightclub in Orlando was an LGBT club, say lesbian, gay, bi, and trans club. I want to tell you that the night of the shooting was a special night in the club that they were having a event uh, hosted by people who were transgendered, trans women. They were having a show. I want to tell you that it's primarily a Latino club as well. And before I go any further, I'm going to say something. I've got to tell you right now that uh, I'm going to do my best to speak appropriately, to not misuse any terms, to not missay any names. And if I do, I apologize. I am not at my sharpest right now. So Omar Mateen, from what we can tell, entered the club, and basically he started shooting people, and there were – as we know now, 49 fatalities, 53 wounded. And there were a variety of people there. There were even some families there. Not that that makes it worse or better. It's just a fact. There were individual acts of courage and heroism. And the police came in, and they ended up in a situation where Omar Mateen was uh, barricaded into a bathroom area in the club. It then became a barricaded shooter situation. They placed charges against a wall, blew out the wall, entered, and Mr. Mateen was killed. And the horror of that is almost insurmountable, almost unable overcome or to rationalize or to understand or to take in the, the terror and the horror and the misery and the grief of that. And since then, you would think it could not get worse. You would think that's, you know, there, there you go, right? I mean, a guy walks into a club, there there are a hundred people plus in the club. They're having a nice time, you know, whatever. And then boom, uh, rat-a-tat-tat-tat. We end up with 49 people massacred, 53 wounded. Uh, some of them are still in very serious condition. Some of them are fine of the wounded. And you would think that would be about it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's pretty much uh, the limit. You know, it can't, it can't get any, it can't get any worse right? Wrong. Because in the five days that have followed roughly, 
Um, the world has lost its goddamn mind. I'm sorry, I misspoke. The United States has lost its goddamn mind. And everybody is just at each other. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the tragic situation where this young child fell into a uh, gorilla enclosure at the zoo and the scenario and the events that were around that. And I talked to you a little bit about how everybody seemed to need to walk it back, uh, meaning it wasn't just what had happened. You know, it wasn't like, hey, uh, there's this enclosure. It's not built uh, correctly enough to keep a four-year-old out. Four-year-old goes into the enclosure and the situation develops. And everybody's got to walk it back. Everybody's got to walk it back. Everybody's got to walk it back. Well, this last five days, um, apparently the walking back on the uh, gorilla incident was a, you know, a 10K uh, fun run because this has been the goddamn Indianapolis 500 of walking things back. And I have never seen quite as much of a need of dispossessed ownership of a villainous individual. It's amazing. Uh, he's got to be everything but what he is. And we have to talk about everything but what it was. And before we get into that, let's talk a little bit if we can, about what it was. What it was, was 49 people were killed. That's what it was. The youngest was 18. The oldest was 50. Their average age was 29. Among them were who was uh, 49, who was out for a late night in the town with her gay son. He survived the shooting. She did not. Also, there was Juan Guerrero, who was 22, and Christopher Linonen, who was also, who, uh, excuse me, uh, Ramon Guerrero was 22, and Christopher Liano was 32, who uh, had planned to marry, but instead of getting to marry each other, uh, they will be sharing a funeral together. They will be buried side by side. There was uh, Peter Gonzalez Cruz, who was 22. He was a UPS employee originally from South Africa. There was Amanda Alavera, 25 a University of South Florida nursing student. The youngest victim was Akra Murray, a student and athlete at a Philadelphia high school who was celebrating her graduation with a trip to Orlando. And the oldest was Frankie de Jesus, who was a native of San Juan, Puerto Rico, 
who worked at Forever 21 in Orlando. Many of the victims were Puerto Rican men. There was a mix. So let me just tell you again that there were Latino people, there were African-American people, there were white people, there were men, there were women. They were, there were people from 18 all the way to 50. There were professionals. There were day laborers. There were people of every walk of life in this club. And now I have to do something. I have to do this. I don't want to do this, but I have to do this. And I did it last year. I did it last year on this show. And the list was a lot shorter. Those who were killed include Stanley Almodovar III. He was 23. Amanda Alavera. She was 25. Oscar Montero was 26. Rodolfo Alea was 33. Antonio Brown, 29. Daryl Burt, II, 29. Angel Padero, 28. Juan Martinez, 25. Luis Conde, 39. Corey Connell, 21. Tevin Crosby, 25. Danoka Drayton, 32. Simon Fernandez, 31. Leroy Fernandez, 25. Mercedes Flores, 26. Peter Cruz, 22. Juan Guerrero, 22. Paul Henry, 41. Frank Hernandez, 27. Miguel Honotaro, 30. Javier Reyes, 40. Jason Josephat, 19. Eddie Justice, 30. Anthony Larandellis, 25. Christopher Lennon, 32. Alejandro Martinez, 21. Brenda McCool, 49. Gilberto Mendez, 25. Kimberly Morris, 37. Akra Murray, 18. Luis Capo, 20. Geraldo Jimenez, 25. Eric Rivera, 36. Panagara, 32. Jean Perez, 35. Enrique Rios, 25. Jean Rodriguez, 27. Xavier Rosando, 35. Christopher San Feliz, 24. Gilmary Solvano, 24. Edward Sotomayoro, Jr., 34, 33. Martin Torres, 33. 
Jonathan Vega, 24. Juan Velacrez, 37. Luis Vilma, 22. Frankie Velacrez, 50. Luis Wilson Leon, 37. And Gerald Wright, 31. <clears throat> I have something to say because it's the only thing I have to say. And I apologize if it gives offense to any. I mean no offense when I say what I'm about to say. It is literally all I know to say. So I'm going to say it. May his great name grow exalted and sanctified in the world that he created as he willed. May he give reign to his kinship in your lifetimes and in your days and in the lifetimes of the entire family of Israel swiftly and soon. Now say, Amen. May his great name be blessed forever and ever. Blessed, praised, glorified, exalted, extolled. Mighty, upraised, and lauded be the name of the Holy One. Blessed is he. Beyond any blessing and song, praise and consolation that are uttered in the world, now say Amen. May there be abundant peace from heaven and life upon us and upon Israel. Now say Amen. He who makes peace in his heights, may he make peace upon us and upon Israel. Now say Amen. That's all I've got to say. That's all I can say. After reading those names. There is the list of the dead. I mourn with their families, with their loves, with their friends, with their colleagues, and with their associates. Since then, you would think that they had not died. You would think that some other group of people had died. There are individuals in our society with knowledge uh, for the better, uh, who know better, who are informed, who have gone out of their way to not mention these people, this list of names, was or were individuals who were in the LGBT community or were primarily Latino or were, by the largest number of them, people of Puerto Rican descent. They've gone out of their way to wash over that. They have instead suddenly labeled and embraced this list of the dead as Americans. Good, old-fashioned, honest, apple-pie-eating, baseball-playing, Chevrolet-buying, honest Americans. And this is a terrible tragedy against Americans. And there's a problem with that. 
The problem with that is that certainly these were Americans. Certainly the tragedy does send eddies and ripples throughout the entirety of our nation, except that more than a few of these individuals who have very hard to not bring up the fact that these people were in the LGBT community or were uh, Hispanic or from Puerto Rico, etc., are individuals who have stood publicly against the LGBT community, who have worked against the LGBT community, who have vilified the LGBT community, who have spent time, effort, intellect, and money to knock down, drag around, and kick in the gut the LGBT community. And many of those who have done their best to not bring up of those individuals just mercilessly, suddenly and senselessly murdered were of Latino descent because they have spent a lot of time, effort, money, and intellect against people who are Latino or Hispanic or from Puerto Rico or Cubano or Chicano. They've spent a lot of time, and suddenly they're not going to mention that. Oh, they're going to wring their hands, and they're going to clutch their pearls, and they're going to say, we're so sorry that this terrible thing happened. And maybe they are. It's not for me to judge. And this has been building up in me for five days, and people have kind of whispered to me here and there, hey, 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 don't politicize this. Don't politicize this. Don't politicize this. This was political before I got it. This was political before it ever happened. This was political literally before it happened. You cannot run around inside a country and use news networks, social media, the church lectern to say, oh, God hates fags. Uh, God hates uh, gay and lesbian people. Uh, certainly, we got to do something about these 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 transgendered people. I'm not. Even gonna, they're not even going to say trans. They're going to say transsexual. We're, we're, we've got to do. They're creeping into your bathrooms. You need to do something. You need to do something. They're a threat. They're a threat. They're a threat. They're against God. They're against country. The end times are going to come. The Russians are going to invade. I'm not being hyperbolic here. I'm being very serious. All of this shit was said, and not in the distant past. Not. You know, during the Eisenhower fucking administration, this shit was said last week and the week before and the week before. This is fresh. Okay? You just can't wander around and say all that shit. And then, and then when 49 people get killed, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with you. Really? Where were your thoughts and prayers two weeks ago? See, what we did is we found the right damn number. We found the right number, folks. We found the right goddamn number that makes it matter. Apparently, it's above 20. Apparently, it's above 20, because it sure as hell isn't nine. Nine's too small a number. Dylan Roth, 
He may face the death sentence. He may or may not be judged and given the death penalty. And you can sort out your feelings on the death penalty later because the point is he was not, quote, a domestic terrorist. It was hate crime. Now, every expert on terrorism who's worth their salt said, no, uh, Dylan Roth totally meets the necessary qualifiers to be for this to be a terrorist act. But it wasn't a terrorist act. It was nine people. Now we've got 49. The guy appears, appears, that's the important word, appears to be a, radicalized, a member of radicalized Islam. So now it's terrorism. See, now it's a big deal. Our tears and prayers go with you. Okay, I've got an idea. And just color me weird. Just, just strike me as being strange. Maybe I'm way off the fucking bat. Maybe somebody needs to pull my goddamn chain. <clears throat> but just drag me out on this one. See if I'm right or wrong. I'm not sure anymore. Maybe, just maybe, tears and prayers cutting it. I don't know. It seems to me, as a man of some age now, I've got grandchildren, I have two grown sons, I've been around a bit, <clears throat> I'm not new on the block, I've lived through this many, many times, in many different places, in many different occasions, and it seems to me that tears and prayers are not cutting it. I mean, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, m maybe, I, maybe this is not, you know, uh, uh, maybe this is not correct. Maybe tears and prayers uh, uh, fixes it all. But so far, I haven't seen that. So why don't we actually do something? <clears throat> I mean, I'm just saying, you know, uh, maybe I'm off kilter. But maybe tears and prayers are not doing something. And this is coming from a guy who honestly believes that prayer and spiritual work does something. I've talked about that on this show, well, many damn times, you know, uh, 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 more than even I care to remember. And it doesn't seem like it's doing enough. It doesn't seem like it's doing enough. So suddenly this has become something that it isn't. Suddenly it's not about the club. It's not about the individual's. And it's not even the complete story about the individual who did it. It's about other things. This certainly, this certainly is not about LGBT people. Really? Well, okay. I'm not sure how you figure that out. But I've seen it. I saw it not too long ago. I saw it when a bunch of cats with, uh, there are more than one with uh, automatic weapons and all sorts of things, kicked in the door, went into a Jewish market on Shabbos in downtown Paris and shot up the place and killed people. And it wasn't about Jews. It was about good, honest, baguette-loving, uh, Ugo-driving, uh, uh, tricolor-loving French people. Okay, cool. Cool, I see. Let me tell you what this is. Grist for the mill. That's what this has become. Grist for the fucking mill. 
and I am doing my best to not make this grist for a mill. But a whole lot of other people are. John McCain, the uh, perennial senator, congressman, representative from I have no fucking idea where that people would continue to vote for John McCain, said today that the fault of the attack and massacre of 49 people at an LGBT club in Orlando, Florida, fully, fully the responsibility and the fault of President Obama. That's right, folks. Barack Obama. It's all his fault. He wasn't there carding that night. Uh, He and the Secret Service weren't there. It's all his fault. Now, why did Senator McCain say this? Well, McCain said that because he said, oh, we pulled out of Iraq, and that helped uh, Islamic uh, radicalism rise, and that's all Obama's fault, and this guy was radicalized as Islamicist, and that's the only reason it happened, and he's striking against good, honest, Chevrolet-driving, flag-loving, apple-pie-wearing, apple-pie-eating Americans, and it has nothing to do with the fucking fact that they're gay and lesbian. Nothing at all. It has nothing at all to do with that. Except there's a couple of problems with that. Representative McCain, there are a couple of problems with that. Let's go over those problems real quickly, shall we? Uh, Mateen, this is the shooter who's now dead. Mateen, we now know, had an alcohol problem. Uh, He beat his wife. Uh, He was never charged for that. Uh, He was openly racist towards blacks, Latinos, and other minorities. Uh, Despite his supposed or alleged queer inclinations, he was an active homophobe. Uh, He idolized the New York PD. Uh, He had worked with juveniles in a detention center where there was some suggestion that he had engaged in uh, physical brutality against them. Uh, He got his uh, training from a private security firm, G4S, uh, which is one of the largest stakeholders uh, in the whole prison industrial complex. Um, And he knew the club. He had been there before and had basically also been on uh, uh, gay social media sites. Etc. So we hear now from lots of people that everybody was, you know, listen, normally what happens is this, kids. Okay, listen, something happens in uh, any town USA, and they, they drag this cat out, and they find that he's got 15 people buried under his fucking extension garage, and everybody in the neighborhood says, Oh, we had no clue that he was like that. He was such a quiet and kind man. He used to help my mother across the street. I remember on a number of occasions, he helped take our dog to the vet. And everybody goes, oh, no, oh, no, we can't believe he's got 15 bodies buried under his uh, extended garage next to his house. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So what's happened here is Mateen is dead, and now what everyone is saying is, oh, yeah, oh, this guy was always a – Oh, you bet. I was wondering when he was going to go off. You know, we all kind of thought this is this is this is bad. This is bad. This guy is this guy is 
problems. This guy is going to go someplace. This this guy is going to do something. So everybody saw this kind of coming. Now, I'm not putting that responsibility on them. I'm not saying, oh, well, if they had been real patriots, they would have called the cops. No, I'm just saying everybody went, oh, that guy's an asshole. He's a racist. He's homophobe. He's this. He's that, etc. And, and, and so this wasn't, uh, uh, you know, completely a shocker to the people that knew Mateen. Now, Mateen said a whole bunch of shit that apparently has to do with radicalized Islam. X, and so obviously he's a terrorist. Okay, now, first of all, he was born in here. He's, he's, he's an American, by the way, whether you like that or not. Kishimi us. He, he was born in this country. <coughs> he's... He's an American. He was an American. Okay. And so Donald Trump's saying, uh, uh, you know, Senior Trump there is saying, uh, oh, this, see, we can't let these people in here. He should have never been let in here. He should have been taken out. He should have been taken out. So meanwhile, McCain is saying, it's all the president's fault. Uh, all these talking heads, all these wonderful ministers, all these people who've been preaching hate. About uh, you know LGBT people and uh, trans people in the Target bathroom and setting bombs in the fucking Target bathrooms to teach you all a lesson about how dangerous it is. I want to come back to that. Uh, you know, basically, they're all on the big bandwagon. This is the spooky ass oogie boogie uh, Muslims. Most of them aren't even saying radical Islam, okay? They're just saying, hey, we got to do something about this. So at the same time that they're all doing that, Herr Trump is over in his corner saying, oh, yeah, I'm totally going to round them up. I'm totally going to deport them. I'm totally going to have a situation for them that's going to be taken care of the minute I'm president. I mean, literally, they're going to sign me in. I'm going to walk off the podium, go into the White House, and boom, it's done. They're gone. I'll, I don't care. I don't care how long they've been here. I don't care if they're naturalized citizens. I don't care if they were born here. I don't care if they have no criminal record. I don't care if they have no ties to anybody. I don't care if they're judges, doctors, lawyers. I don't give a shit. They're all on the boat to someplace the fuck else. Let me tell you something. If you think for a heartbeat that Donald Trump or any other president of the United States of America, okay, can round up 11 million people to God knows where because what are you going to do with the American citizens? I mean, seriously, stop a minute, take a deep breath, and think this one down the pike. Here's someone who's Muslim. They're not a radicalized Muslim. They're not blowing people up. They, they work at Petco. It doesn't matter where they work. Okay, they were born in the United States of America. All right, uh, they're let's say they're my age. Let's say their parents are dead. Their parents who came from where the hell ever. It doesn't matter. Okay, where exactly are you going to deport that individual to? Who's who's going to take him? Are you just going to uh, you know drop him in a parachute over Syria, Egypt? Uh, uh, any of the Muslim countries in uh, uh, Southeast Asia, uh, where? Where are you going to take them? You're not. You can't. You can't just – I mean you can. I mean Donald Trump can totally just put people on a leaky boat and push it off to sea and say good luck. Other dictators have done that before as well. 
But in general, you can't do that. So what do you do? You have to house them. So well, how, where do you house them? Well, you've got to house them in some sort of place, right? You're not going to want to put them in the prison system because, well, then you'll have supposedly, supposedly have gangs, prison gangs of radicalized Islams. Okay, so so where are you going to send them? Well, you're going to send them to some sort of a let, what's the nicest little word we can call it? Uh, 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 detainment center, uh, detainment center, a, a a place where we could, oh, I don't know, what could we do? We could concentrate them. We concentration centers, um, uh, concentration, a uh, gathering places, uh, a camps, a concentration camp. Um, yeah. If you don't see where this is going, you're choosing to be willfully ignorant. Me and mine, we know where this goes. Ship them east. Ship them to Madagascar. Send them wherever. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, we'll just put them in camps. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Now, am I suggesting that Donald Trump secretly wants to bring about a, a holocaust against Muslims? No, I didn't say that. I just basically said that he's a fascist fucking asshole and that if you fucking think he's going to get away with something like that and not break more than a few eggs, you, you really – you're going to have the world's largest fucking omelet okay? when, when, when that ends up happening. Now, again, aren't you getting away from the subject? No, I'm not getting away from the subject because this has been grist for everybody's goddamn milk. And these people that I have been discussing are not the worst. Oh, no. You would think they were the rotten cherry on top of the fucking mud Sunday, but they're not. They're not. Oh, no, 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 no. Because someone had a big package of shit sprinkles, a big package of poison jimmies to spread on this mud sprinkle. And what it is is this. We have had in the past five days numerous individuals primarily associated in one way or another with some for, sort of conservative, right-wing leaning, uh, radicalized, I believe would be the word you're looking for, Christianity, and others who have said this was a good thing. They've praised it. They've said, why couldn't he have killed more? Or they've said, this isn't a concern for the American people because this is just Muslims killing faggots. And they're both evil and they're both of the devil. We should let them kill each other more. Or they've praised the shooter. Or they have said it was God's will. Or they have said it's the final warning before the rest of us regular. Now stop right there and come back and listen to that that goddamn word, regular. You know, the regular, real, honest Americans who deserve to not be shot, get shot. So it, it has been worse. It has been worse. Everyone has used, not everyone, excuse me, I got angry. A large segment of the society has decided to use this absolute tragedy as grist for their mills. I myself am trying very hard to make sure that I don't do that, that I don't use this as grist for my mill, that I stick to the facts, that I stick to the fact of who was killed, where they were killed, when were they killed, 
and what was the background of the individual who did it. Because you see, for all of his supposed radical Islamic fervor, let me tell you something. He pledged allegiance openly, we have it as a matter of record, to Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda, and ISIS, ISIL, and he pledged allegiance to all of them. There's a problem, children. Those three organizations are, for all intents and purposes, at war with each other. They are not allied. Now, you can go off into the uh, you know, warm conspiracy corner and say, oh, yeah, they secretly are, and their, their public fight and the fact that they shoot each other and bomb each other is just to you know, uh, get our guard down. All right. And I understand. I'm old enough. I've I've lived for a while. I remember about how all the riskies and everybody that was sort of risky and, you know, a, a, a little pink, etc. Here's the fact. He pledged allegiance to Hezbollah, Al-Qaeda and ISIS. They're for all intents and purposes at war with each other. This guy was ignorant of them. He was ignorant of their politics. He was ignorant of politics in the Middle East. He had no idea about this shit. He's just a crazy man. And the problem is this crazy man has decided to associate himself with people that other people are using to stir up the scare drum. Now, you may have thought I went a little too far there, particularly bringing up the Ruskies. Except no, because this week, our, uh, uh, another of our perennial kudzu talking heads, the, the one, the only, Newt Gingrich. And by the way, Papa Newt, I feel you are perfectly justified doing whatever the fuck work you need to do against Newt Gingrich because of the whole name thing. I, 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 am, I am in your corner. And if you, as, uh, as a representative of the Newt Collective, need to do something to this fuck, you call me, I'm in. You know, we will light candles, we will dress dolls, etc. Okay? Newt Gingrich, Newt Gingrich stood up and said, here in the United States, here, okay, in the United States, said, made a call made a call for the reactivation, the reactivation, the reorganization, the reinvention, uh, the, the, the fire up the fires, boys, of, are you ready for this, the House, oh, I can say this, the House on Anti-American Activities. Right about now, Catherine Ironwood and Gabriel Swain are having a fucking conniption fit, okay, as I did. I mean, the House on Anti-American Activities, he said we need that. He was supported in that. There were lots of people who agreed uh, on that. House on Un-American Activities Committee, 
and there were people. And when I say people, I don't mean people wearing a, a, a T-shirt that's got a, a wolf and the American flag and a Chevy on it. I mean, I mean, I mean people who are in power. I mean other senators, Congress people, you know, judges and shit said, said, oh yeah, oh yeah, we need that. Let's bring that back. You know what? The next time people see me, everybody's going to say, why the hell are you grayer than the last time I saw you? Well, here's one reason. Here's one goddamn reason right here that I'm getting grayer and grayer by the goddamn minute. So how is this going to play out, Newt? Envision for a moment. Envision for a moment. Sir, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Islamic faith, are you now, or have you ever been a Muslim? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So that is a little bit. We got a lot more to talk about, but that is a little bit that happened out of this. That's that's the segment of the show that tonight we're going to call Grist for the Mill. And like I said, I'm doing my best. I am doing my best not to make it grist for the mill and stick to what happened, who died, where they died, who shot them, and the background of that individual. Because, and I mean no humor tonight, I I am not trying to be funny at all tonight. I'm really not. Because I, in all seriousness, I am not a fortunate son.
was indeed Credence Clearwater Revival with Fortunate Son. And tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to put out a big plate of cookies, and everybody can have a cookie because, God, it's about all we got right now. We've talked a little bit about how people have been using this for that, and I said I was going to open the phones, and I am going to open the phones here in just a little bit. But before I go and open the phones, I want to uh, bring you back to something. I want to talk to you about something that you might not know about. I know that uh, some of you do know about it, either because you were there, meaning alive at the time, or because it is involved in the history of your community, or you're just informed. But a lot of you may not know. And so I want to talk to you uh, just for a moment about something. And, and stop me when this sounds fucking familiar. Okay? Just throw up a flag, shoot off a flare when this sounds familiar. The year is 1973. The date is June 4th. That's a week from now. It's a Sunday. It's the final day of Pride Weekend. Members of the Metropolitan Community Church, which was a pro-LGBT Protestant denomination, held services inside the upstairs lounge, which was located on the second floor of a three-story building at the corner of Chartres and I. Iberville Streets in New Orleans, Louisiana. The MCC was the United States' first gay church, founded in Los Angeles in 1968. After the service, the club hosted free beer and dinner for 125 patrons. At the time of that, this incident that I'm discussing, some 60 people were listening to pianist David Gary perform and discussing an upcoming NCC fundraiser for the local crippled children's hospital. You with me so far? At 7.56 p.m., a buzzer from downstairs sounded, and bartender, the bartender of the club, who was an Air Force veteran, asked Luther Boggs to answer the door, anticipating a taxicab dryer. Boggs opened the door to find the front staircase engulfed in flames, along with the smell of lighter fluid. The bartender immediately led some 20 patrons out of the back exit to the roof, where the group could access a neighboring building's roof and climb down to the ground floor. The other individuals were accidentally locked inside the second floor club. Many people attempted to escape, most did not, and Many people died in the upstairs lounge club on fire from smoke inhalation, burns, etc. The only suspect for the attack was Roger Nunez, uh, who had been ejected from the bar earlier. He, he had gone to the bar on a number of occasions. He knew people there. And uh, 
he had been pre previously diagnosed with, quote, conversion hysteria and had and this was in 1970 when he was diagnosed with that, and had visited numerous numerous, numerous psychiatric clinics. He had been released from tre a treatment facility in the year before the fire, and he had, uh, after his arrest, he escaped uh, from psychiatric custody, and he was just never picked up again by the police. Um, later, it was said that a friend of his said that he confessed, on at least four occasions to starting the fire, and he told him that he squirted the bottom steps with a uh, Ronson's lighter fluid, uh, bought it at a local Walgreens, and lit it with a match. Um, and he took his life in 1974. Now, once again, is it just me? Have I gone out of my mind in the last five days? Or does that sound remarkably fucking similar? Does that sound at all kind of like, oh, there's a gay club, and there are a lot of people in there, like nice gay people in the club, and they're doing a lot – you know, they're getting ready to raise money for crippled children, for fuck's sake. And uh, somebody kills them. And the guy that killed them was known around the place, and he had been in there. Now, before we get any further, and somebody says – and I don't think anybody in the chat listening to me, but there's always some guy, somebody, someplace. And, you know, this is going to go into archives, and so I've got to speak to the future as well as the now. Before anybody says, well, at the end of the day, isn't this really just gay people killing gay people? You know, I mean, they're violent and they're deadly, and we've been telling you about all of them. You know, I mean, fuck. Though you know how those people are. You know, I mean, they're of the devil. Fuck you. First of all, fuck you. We live in a society in which homophobia is the goddamn – it's almost the rule of freaking law, okay? You have to realize the pressures that have gone on. The fact of the matter is there are 49 dead people here, and this search to blame everybody but our own goddamn selves – to not take any fucking responsibility to say our tears and our prayers are with you, you know. But, oh, by the way, after you bury all these dead people, uh, we're going to go back to the shit we were doing. Oh, and by the way, let's see, this happened in Florida. So uh, under Florida law, uh, some of the people who were injured, who went to the hospital, who may still be in the hospital, who may have months of you know, physical therapy and medical bills and all this kind of shit, if they should get out of the hospital, they can be fired by their employers because they're gay. You know, you were in the you were in the thing, right? You were at the club and the guy came in, kicked in the door because he was evil Islamic, whatever, and he shot y'all up and you caught a bullet in the arm and you went to the hospital and that's how I know you were there because you weren't at work and you know, word gets around, right? You were in the club and so you're fired. No protection under the law. No protection under the law. Okay? Like, literally, there's problems in Florida with gay people that are married being allowed to uh, uh, visit each other in, in hospitals. You know, like, this is my husband, and we don't recognize that. So what's going to happen here, people? Are, are we just going to go back 
Is that what's going to happen? Oh, our tears and prayers are with you, and then next week we're going to beat the shit out of you again. Next week we're going to try to take your rights away from you. Next week we're going to freak out. And, oh, they've been freaking out. They've been freaking out, you know. Oh, so-and-so building was lit up like the pride flag, so the rainbow. So, oh, they're evil, they're evil, they're evil, you know. I mean, is that what we want? Is that who we are? Is that just the way it's going to fucking be? Let me clue you in on something here real real quick let me let me just clue you in on something <sighs> the other issue that has arisen out of this is gun control now i want to get into a public discussion about gun control as much as i want to put my hand into an into a garbage disposal that's that's turned on you know what i'm saying i mean that's that's what i you know really i just love this you know why don't we talk about abortion too while we're at no i'm serious this is a this is a null null sum goes nowhere fucking discussion but fuck it when has that ever stopped me now we've got two other groups that are going at each other We've got the extremist gun control element, and I'm not talking about the regular gun control. I'm talking about the extreme, the the no guns for anybody ever, anywhere, ever again. And we've got the if I can't buy a howitzer, the Second Amendment is fucking gone, and this is a dictatorship. And now they're making this grist for their mill as well. So inevitably, to discuss gun control, you have to pass a series of questions. This is kind of like my my life experience with good Jew, bad Jew. Like, oh, somebody finds out I'm a Jew, they have a series of questions that I have to answer, and then they know if I'm a good Jew. Are you a good Jew? Are you a bad Jew? La, 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 la. You know, and so this is the same thing. If you're going to discuss gun control, you have to answer a series of questions, and then everybody decides if you're good or bad from their own little perspective. So before I discuss it any further, I will answer a series of questions. And then you know that you can either stop listening to me or you can agree with me or whatever little preferential thing that might be going on in your head about gun control. The Second Amendment (coughs) is the only amendment that is not yet placed into the same capacity of interpretation integration and execution with tort law with tort law that all the rest of the amendments are and i don't want to hear it i don't want to hear it if you don't happen to have a best friend and a baby brother who are lawyers and you don't know what tort law is go out and find out it's easy the internet is your friend I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. See, my supposed freedom of speech has all sorts of limits. All sorts of limits. And they're sane, rational limits, and occasionally they are in fact abused. But in general, they are sane and rational and correct limits on my freedom of speech. There are limits on my ability to travel between states. There are limits on my 
rights and freedoms to do all sorts of things that has to do with primarily living with other fucking people. No man is a goddamn island. Except for the Second Amendment. There it's apparently anything goes. And that's fucking insane. That's insane! Now, I have, for the past five days, had to listen to some smart-ass wag or another say, oh, uh, you know, well, uh, why don't we... And And again, I'm not trying to, you know, not trying to be a jackass to anybody, but this really bugs me, and I've been holding it up till tonight. Why don't we just ban razor blades? You could kill somebody with a razor blade. Why don't we ban uh, uh, rope? You hang people with rope. Why don't we just ban forks? Why don't we ban everything? Huh? Yeah, because people are still going to kill each other. That's why. Now, here's the problem with this argument. Are you fucking nuts? I mean, have you literally, first of all, do you have no sense of humanity, no sense of compassion, no sense of your responsibility to society? What you are literally saying is two things. When you cut through all the bullshit and the smarmy crap and the cute little fucking ha-ha-ha of it, you are saying two things. A, people are going to kill each other, and we've just got to fucking deal with that. You know, it's just a fact. People are going to kill each other, and the sooner you fucking accept that people are going to murder each other, the better you are, you will be in society because our hands are tied. There's just nothing we can fucking do about the fact that people are going to kill each other, and you need to grow up and accept that people are going to kill each other. It's part of who we are, and I celebrate that fact. Great. And second thing you're saying is, but you're not saying it. Oh, no, you're not saying it, but you are implicitly by extension saying it. You're saying, look, heroin addicts are going to fucking get heroin. It's just the way it fucking is. We need to legalize heroin and sell it in gumball machines outside of Winn-Dixie. That's what we need to do. We need to put heroin into small plastic containers that you can get out of a gumball machine. It can be right next to the horse ride that you put the quarter in and you climb up on the horse because it's just what you got to do. It's just what you got to do. Heroin addicts are going to get heroin. Thieves are going to break into places. We need to stop trying to prosecute thieves. If you don't want your house to be robbed, then you need to... Put up bars and a barbed wire fence and get six big dogs all named George, and you need to fucking get a gun, and you need to shoot people because people are going to murder each other, and that's just the way it is, and you need to grow up. Kidding me? I mean, really? Really? Like, I know a lot of people, and, and I know a lot of people that are completely uncomfortable with drug legalization. I mean, they don't want to legalize marijuana. They're not too sure about fucking Alka-Seltzer, but, you know, they don't want to legalize fucking anything. Uh, uh, But they're okay. They're totally like, no, no limit on guns ever. Like, we certainly shouldn't let, you know, like tie-dye wearing fucking hippies smoke a joint, but by God, we can't do anything about guns. Really? Like, I know people that don't want to legalize prostitution. Because it's immoral, but they don't want to touch the whole, you know, no, 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 no. I should be able to buy any kind, I, if, a Laws Rocket, RPG, Russian-made RPG, a howitzer, a tank. The Constitution said I should have a tank. They're completely okay with all that, but they don't want to legalize 
prostitution because it's immoral. I have sat and watched people this week around me debate about uh, abortion. Here it is. Oh, my God. Abortion actually got brought into this about how abortion's murder, but it's legal. And all I can figure that all these people are sort of saying is murder's not necessarily immoral. Murder's not necessarily unethical. I didn't say killing. I said murder. Isn't necessarily wrong. And maybe we need a little more of it. Listen, I understand your argument. If they didn't have this gun, they'd find another gun. You're probably correct. I, I can't say that you're wrong about that. But let me fill you in on a couple of goddamn facts. First of all, the upstairs lounge resulted in 32 people being killed because of a, a bottle of Ronson's and a match. Now, the argument, therefore, on the other side of this is that people say, see, I told you, if we outlaw guns, and nobody's talking about outlawing guns, we're talking about sound, sane, measured limitations just like we have for everything the fuck else. Uh, oh, don't get me wrong. There are, there are a few people. There are a few people saying, no guns ever for anybody. And listen, pal, I'll be happy to agree with that the minute the cops put theirs down too. Uh, and probably the army too. Otherwise, ooh, kind of weird. Um, don't think that's going to happen. But the argument is, aha, see, he used Ronson's in a match. The gun, the weapon doesn't matter. Evil men will always do evil. You're right. Evil men and evil women will always do evil. That is correct. Except you unfortunately, and when I say you, I'm not speaking to you, the audience. I'm speaking to the imaginary person I'm talking to, brought this argument to me. And here's Professor Porterfield to school you so no one can fool you. Who in the chat room can name the most popular form of suicide for the year 1926? I'll wait. And why I'll wait, I will hum softly. No takers? Well, you know. Ah, uh, we have a few takers. Okay, see, I'm a little bit in the future. You're a little bit in the past. Yeah, what's the most popular form of suicide? Well, we've had gunshot. People killed themselves with guns. People did, in fact, kill themselves with guns in 1926, but it was not the most popular form. Hanging was more popular than uh, killing yourself with a, I should say strangulation, because it wasn't actually properly hanging. Uh, in uh, 1926, it was more popular than gunshot. Uh, rat poison. Poisoning was also very popular. A lot of people just said hanging. But the answer is the answer is suicide by dynamite. That's correct. Suicide by dynamite. Well, now that would seem insane. What do you mean suicide by dynamite? Are you out of your fucking mind? No. Suicide by dynamite. People would get a stick of dynamite and light it and hold it, and boom, 
it, it blows up and blows you into pieces. You're dead. Why? Because you could buy it freely. You didn't need a license. You could get it in the 20s at feed stores and, 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 and other agricultural centers. People used it to remove stumps. People used it, I can't believe people used it for this, but they did, to kill and drive out gophers. You could buy dynamite over the counter. Let me say that for you again. You could buy dynamite over the counter. You didn't need any sort of special anything. You didn't have to come up with a Class C, you know, explosives license and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And the guy went in the back and he unlocked the dynamite store and, ah, there's a box of dynamite. And the guy, how many sticks of dynamite you want? And, well, you got some stumps. <laughs> and he'd sell you a stick or two sticks or five sticks. And, poop, you could go and hold a stick of dynamite and light it and blow yourself into pieces. And you can't do that today. You can't go and buy dynamite today. See? You, you can't go to the general store or the feed store and buy a stick of dynamite. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? You can't buy dynamite. You have to have all sorts of fucking licensing and proof that you are mentally stable, that you know how to handle explosives, that you are involved in a appropriate commercial business that where you need dynamite, like construction, mining, and other things. It's a it's a big hassle to just go and get a box of dynamite. You would think it would be easy. Why wouldn't it be easy to buy dynamite, right? And and doesn't the Second Amendment protect our dynamite rights? Shouldn't I, like the founding fathers, be allowed to have dynamite? See, no, because we said collectively as a people that it was bullshit that it was bullshit for the average joe to be able to go and buy dynamite now there was another reason as well dynamite at the time was not stable dynamite as we think of it nowadays it would sweat what sweating means is that the dynamite itself would sweat a nitroglycerin sweat beads of nitroglycerin would form onto the dynamite some of you know about this and you could literally, you know, you can throw them down on the ground and they go, boom! And if enough sweat, nitroglycerin sweat, collected in a box of dynamite as it aged, the slightest little thing would blow it up. And it blew up houses and farms and factories and all sorts of sheds and all sorts of things. And we said, this is something we need to do something about. And we did. And life went on, and you and I are in no more of a disempowered, vulnerable place for our lack, our lack of dynamite. So I just want you to think about that. Just I just want you to I just want you to think about that. Okay, please think about that. That's part two. Now a few words from the kind people who put up with my nonsense. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the vanguard!
The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candelo's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand, Wednesdays 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com.
That was indeed Barry Maguire with Eve of Destruction, Cookies for Everyone. And there's an important little line in there about senators. This comes to us from Les Fabian Braithwaite from yesterday. Days after the deadliest mass shooting in American history, Republicans in the House of Representatives, several of whom failed to even acknowledge the LGB community in the wake of the Orlando massacre, effectively blocked a bill that would have ensured federal contractors can't discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Senator Patrick Maloney, who is openly gay, reintroduced an amendment to a Defense Department spending bill that would have enforced a 2014 executive order protecting LGBT employees of federal contractors. The bill hits the floor later this week, but Tuesday night, the House Rules Committee decided not to greenlight Maloney's amendment. Maloney had previously, to no avail, introduced the amendment to a Department of Veterans Affairs appropriation bill and then to an Energy Department bill. The previous failures of Maloney's amendment led Speaker Paul Ryan to limit which amendments to spending bills could get votes. Maloney had hoped, in the wake of the shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando Saturday, deep Saturday night, early Sunday morning, that the amendment would send a message of solidarity to the LGBT community. Quote, it's hard to imagine that any act that is so horrifying could lead to anything positive, but if we were going to do anything, it would be a very positive step to say that discrimination has no place in our law and to reaffirm the president's actions in this area, Maloney told The Hill. Seems to me a pretty basic thing to do. Well, when it comes to this Congress, any basic thing to do is basically impossible. To reiterate what some House Democrats chanted when the amendment was first voted down, shame, shame, shame. Before the committee, Maloney argued in favor of the amendment, comparing the Orlando shooting to the shooting last year at a historic black church in Charleston, South Carolina, which led to, the, to restrictions on displaying the Confederate flag. Because hate has no place in our flags, in our workplace, or in our country, he said, and it should have no place in federal law. Meanwhile, committee chairman Pete Sessions offered his thoughts and prayers in the wake of Orlando, only to mistakenly claim Tuesday that Pulse was not an LGBT space. It was a young person's nightclub, end quote, he reportedly said. End quote. There were some LGBT people there, but it was mostly Latinos, end quote, because apparently you can't be Latino and gay. Sessions' office later clarified his comments. They clarified his comments, but the only thing really clear here is the GOP's obstinacy in protecting the LGBT community and all Americans. Immediately after Speaker Ryan called for a moment of silence on money, Monday, he ignored calls to revisit gun control legislation on the anniversary of the Charleston shooting this week. Shame, shame indeed. And thank you to Les Fabian Braithwaite of Out Magazine for that article. So... There you go. Seems that the song's still relevant. Oh, and by the way, I should tell you, John McCain said that he misspoke when he said it was the president's fault. Directly, immediately, he misspoke. Let's walk it all back. Well, folks, I'm going to open up the phone lines at this point in time. And if you have something you would like to say about this, and you know you think you can be a reasonable, humane, decent, normal human being – by all means, call in. 
And you can call in to 323-642-1214. And if you're not listening to the show on your phone, you'll have to obviously get off the show and call in on your phone. You can then listen on your phone. And you can call in, press 1 to enter the host queue. And if we get any calls, we'll take them. In the meantime, as we wait to see if anyone does have anything to say, and all callers are welcome, as long as they can be decent human beings, we – I don't want you to give the, get the impression that this is all one side of a, quote, aisle. Apparently, the FBI uh, has said that they had been aware of Omar Mateen and that they had uh, been investigating him or watching him. So on June 13th, three days ago, Hillary Clinton said, and I quote, if the FBI is watching you for suspected terrorist links, you shouldn't be able to just go buy a gun with no questions asked, end quote. Hillary Clinton, June 13th, 2016. Perhaps she misspoke. Because... I cannot tell you how fast my head spun when she said that. It is a perfectly reasonable statement. Uh, In fact, I'm not completely against the statement, except on a few grounds, and let me address those quickly. First of all, I'm old enough to remember when the Federal Bureau of Intimidation uh, investigated all sorts of people for all sorts of things. Okay? I mean, like the freaking Amish. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, you know, they, they, they were a, a thug arm of the United States government, and they were used to suppress people. They investigated Martin Luther King. You know, I mean, they investigated your, your, your mama. Well, my mama. I don't know about your mom, but my mom. Um, hi, mom. And, uh, you know, all sorts of people. So I'm not too sure that FBI investigations kind of the metric or the bar we want to be using when we've been shown in the past that collusion, misappropriation, and malfeasance can be involved in who the FBI investigates. Those are concerns of mine. However, that was not what made my head spin. What made my head spin was yet another example of God damn hypocrisy around this tragedy. You may say, what is that hypocrisy, Professor? Well, it seems to me that you have got to be pretty goddamn high and white to stand up and say, hey, if the FBI is investigating you, you shouldn't be able to go buy a gun when you're a presidential candidate for the highest seat in the land who was under an FBI investigation. That just just color me weird again. I'm just saying, maybe I've gone crazy in the last five fucking days. Please, someone pull the chain, pull the leash, put me back in the yard, because I'm loose. I'm nuts. about I, Really? Really, Hillary? I mean, there were so many things you could have said to express support, concern, a change in policy, but, oh, no, you just missed the boat on that one. Kick ass. Good work. Uh, I'm sure she misspoke. I'm sure they'll walk it back. At the end of the day, what we have here is this. We have 49 dead 
human beings killed in an LGBT club by a former patron of that club who was a known misogynist, racist, violent individual who was, to one degree or another, extremely mentally unbalanced, who also happens to have sworn allegiance to variety of Islamic, radicalized Islamic groups, some of whom, uh, all three of whom actually are tandem out in war with each other. And we know that this individual's father is also extremely homophobic and has said homophobic things. And once again, if you're going to call into the show and you call in, you have to press one so that you will appear in the host queue. So I know that you're actually calling in to talk. You just press the one and then it'll give a little flag. And so that's what we have going on here. Everyone's trying to make this something different. And so before we have a caller, and before I take my first caller, I'm going to say one thing. I didn't think I had to say this. I didn't think, I honestly, I honestly didn't think this was confused or ambiguous or misunderstood. But apparently it needs to be said. There are gay people in the world. There are homosexual people in the world. There are LGBT people in the world, in this country, in your state, in your county or parish, town, on your street, and in your family, in your spiritual work, in your church, in your tradition, in your magical practice, and they're not going to go away. Nor should they. And they're here. And they've always been here. As long as goddamn time. And you best sort your shit out. Our first caller is calling from area code 817. And 817, your uh, line is live. Good evening. Who are we speaking with? Hi, hon. It's your mom. Hello, Gabrielle this is my Swain. mom. This is my mother, Gabrielle Swain, ladies and gentlemen. What do you I have to say of, to us? Well, just a couple of things. There's a quote that's been sticking in my mind since this all started. Very old, and most people won't recognize it, but it's he who fears being conquered is sure of defeat. And I think that the oppression of the gay community and Latinos and anybody that they want to is because they are afraid of being conquered. They cannot allow the systemic <clears throat> loss of their privilege. That I, I think that's very true. And uh, by the way, uh, he who fears being conquered is sure of defeat is a quote from Napoleon Bonaparte for all of those. Of it you absolutely who wish to know. is. It absolutely is. And then the second thing is if you could just give us a couple of things that we can do to help, you know, like candles or whatever, 
then that would be greatly appreciated. I love you and the show, and thanks for everything. You're very welcome, and we may get to that. Thank you for calling. All right. Up next, we have area code 707. 707, your line is now live. Who are we speaking with? Hi, this is Catherine Ironwood. Hello, Kat. How are you? I'm fine. Um, well, I I only have a couple of things to say. Um, the gorilla alligator thing, really, I I'm sorry. I just I just had to to leave social media while I when I saw that the um, uh, you know oh they shouldn't have killed the gorilla oh it was the parents fault but when it was the alligator then suddenly it's all disney's fault it's it's very funny and um, yes and very sad I, I, and and well yes and the funny part is of course the hypocrisy i guess i'm one of those unfortunate souls who when faced with hypocrisy I have to laugh because it makes me nervous that people could be that illogical. The the Spock-like part of me just can't believe that people are that illogical. And that would it actually be things like racial prejudice or whatever that would make them be like that? And it makes me kind of twinge, but I also kind of, ugh. Anyway, that's that one. Then there's the, yes, the... Um, I have to say, a lot of people have made mistakes on this one this week. Was it anti-homosexual? Was it terrorist? Was it pro-Muslim? What was it? Is he just a lone nut? What about his wife? You you know, his wife, who is now being investigated for having, like, gone to the place with him to help him scope it out. But now, suddenly, she's a victim. I'm sorry. I just look at all of this, and I go... Um, they are so busy spinning this news story, so busy spinning it to suit their political agendas that they don't know where it's going to land. Nobody knows where it's going to land. And the third thing I want to say is, hell yes, guns should be licensed like cars. And I'm tired of pussyfooting around, tiptoeing around, holding my head down when the subject of guns comes up. And I just had a friend today tell me he was upset because he didn't have enough money in his checking account to buy two assault weapons this weekend because they were about to be made illegal, he feared. And this right. was a, quote, friend, unquote. Mm-hmm. I did not ask him, how many assault weapons do you already have that you need to buy two more? But it's just him and his wife and one teenage child. How many assault weapons does he need exactly? And I have to say, I'm tired of being laughed at and poked and prodded about about that one. Fuck it. They should be licensed, and that's all I'm going to say about it. Um, I agree. Assault weapons should be banned. All guns. All guns. All, all, A-L-L, all guns should be licensed. The end. And and I'm tired of having to be the polite one who, oh, yes, the Second Amendment. But no. Well, I I concur with you because I honestly believe, as I have said on this show more than once, and, and, and can I just tell you how baffled I am as the host 
of a show about hoodoo and conjure, then I got to talk about this shit. You know what I'm saying? This is how yeah. much it this is how much it transects and 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 the axis of it comes into our lives. I got to talk about it on this goddamn show, not just tonight because of this horrible event. It's to be talked about, and I stand by what I've said. And again, I understand not everybody's lucky enough to have a best friend and a baby brother who's a lawyer, but tort law applies to all these other amendments. You can't scream fire in a uh, a crowded theater. You can't stand up on a uh, soapbox and say, right. we should all get together and go down the street and murder Carl Smith. You know, we do have limits to our, to our rights because it's about responsibility and we have to grow up and accept those limitations, reasonable, intelligent limitations on the second amendment. It cannot stay. And also I don't see any of these yahoos in a, quote, well-organized militia. So apparently I don't know how to read the Constitution, apparently. <laughs> oh, I know, the well-organized militia of their dreams. Exactly. Uh, yeah, my friend, his wife, and their teenage daughter. All right, well, I'll let you go, but I second um, what Gabrielle said. Give us some uh, ideas of some work we can do here maybe, in the, you know, something we can do to um, – I don't know, with these leftover sticks of dynamite in our freezers. You know? <laughs> well, I'll see what I can do. Thank you so much All for right. calling. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we don't have any other callers at the moment, and so we're going to talk a little bit about that. My intention had been tonight to not discuss hoodoo, but we've had a request. We've had it twice, and so we're going to talk about it just a bit. Let me start by saying this. I'm going to say to you all what I say to every client who calls me. We must walk in both worlds. We must keep our feet in both worlds. You know, nobody's saying, hey, magic doesn't work. Forget about it. And you shouldn't go off into some golden haze meditating upon pyramids in Mexico City till you turn into ravens either. We have to be in both worlds. So the first thing I'm going to tell you is this. What can we do? First and foremost, love those around you. I'm dead serious. That sounds like a bunch of malarkey. That sounds – notice how he gets a little bit of an Irish accent when he says the word malarkey. That sounds like such a pat, cliched thing, but I'm deadly serious. Take some time out to take care of each other. Don't put yourself in the position where you're just taking care of everybody and nobody's taking care of you. Let's all take care of each other. And then, and in particular – Take the time to support and love those who you know are in a marginalized group. Love and support your LGBT brothers and sisters because you may think, oh, it's all well and good. They can marry now. They got all them right. They just like us, except people walk into clubs full of them and open up with guns. Okay, so support them. Support your African-American brothers and sisters because they're getting shot just in the streets for having cell phones in their fucking hands. Support your Hispanic, Latino, Cubano and Chicano brothers and sisters. Okay, because there's an asshole running for the highest position in the land who wants to build a giant wall. It's the Han Dynasty, folks. This is his solution. He's going to build a giant wall. Okay? Support your people around you that are being fucked over, 
who cannot live their lives openly, freely, and honestly. Many, many years ago, I saw an interview with, uh, at the time, a very old woman who had been a young woman during World War II, and she was German. She had lived under the Nazi party, and she was an anti-fascist, anti-Nazi. And she said something that stuck with me. What she said is, the horrible thing that a society gone mad, a society driven by power, a society, a dictatorial, oppressive society, the terrible thing about it is it makes you lie. It makes you lie. It makes you a liar. You must lie to survive. And you every day have to lie to survive. So let me just tell you something. If you have, in particular right now, if you have a LGBT child, sibling, parent, coworker, friend, lover, neighbor, try to contribute to a society that doesn't make them lie. Okay? That's the first thing you can do. The next thing you can do is you can start, again, this sounds a bit patent cliched, but I fucking mean it. Start a social justice altar or a social justice workspace. I'm not telling you to clear out a wall in your house. I'm not telling you it's got to be 40 by 30. Man, just give a little fucking space to it on your current altars, on your current workspaces, wherever you do, on a chest of drawers, on a shifa robe, on a goddamn wardrobe, on a, ch- a chest of drawers, anything, anything. Set up a little social justice place. Clip out things from the news. Print them out from the computer. Put them on there. Bring your ancestors onto it, particularly if you're part of a marginalized group and your goddamn ancestors already had to fight this shit. Even if you're not a part of a marginalized group and your ancestors had to fight for it, even if your ancestors are still alive and they had to fight for it, put them there. Put your work there. Start doing that work, setting those lights. Make a goddamn conjure lamp for justice and put into it the herbs and flowers and other things that go with justice. Let's start doing some stop gossip and shut your mouth work on all these people running their mouths. Okay? What about all these hateful preachers that are out saying this was a good thing? We need more of this. They all got to die. Let's start shutting those mouths. Let's start blocking their roads. Okay? I'm not telling you to curse them and kill them. I'm telling you, Throw some goddamn marbles under their fucking feet. Shut their mouths up. Take away from their power. Take their prosperity away, because most of them are doing it just so they can have prosperity. Okay? Most of them are just doing it so they can be in power. Except that the work we do is tiny little lights in a big, vast night. You know, listen, if any one of us could do it alone, we'd do it. Are you kidding me? If I thought for a heartbeat that my hoodoo alone could fix all this shit, I would close down this radio show and everything else, send all the clients away and spend 24 hours a day, except for maybe a little bit of sleep and taking a little bit of nourishment to do it. Okay? But let's start working the people. Let's stop trying to work the vast construct. 
How do we stop oppression? How do we stop racism? How do we stop homophobia? We don't. We address the individuals, and we address those individuals in real life by not consorting with them, not accepting them, not giving them money, not giving them a free pass, not accepting them into our homes, not saying, saying this is not acceptable, and I won't participate. Well, I'm so tired of our goddamn off- offense society. Remember the good old days when everybody didn't get offended about everything? Yeah, I remember the good old days. I remember the good old days when you could call P-Boy and Pickaninny and Nigger and Kike and Faggot while well, you wanted all day, all night, and Slink and Chink and Slope and all the fucking rest. Yeah, I remember every woman bitch, and I remember the good old fucking days. Yeah, I would rather live with this supposed offense culture than live with that. Because what the fuck this offense culture is, is people getting tired of you that do these behaviors getting away with it, being casual about it, being a casual homophobe, being a casual racist. Everybody seems to think that this is just the situation of the Omar Martins and the fucking Dylan Rolfs and the fucking KKK and the neo-Nazis. Wrong! Those are the biggest, most visible, most buzzing of the cockroaches in the fucking kitchen. But they aren't the problem. The problem is your coaches, your preachers, your parents, you, the guy at the office, the guy at church, your ministers, your boss, and everybody the fuck less, and our politicians, and our judges who we let get away with it. It has to stop. That's the very first thing you, and then when you go to sit down with your spiritual work, direct it at those bigger cockroaches. Direct that at the judges saying shit about how LBGDP people need to have no fucking uh, rights. Let's direct it at the politicians who want to take their rights away. Let's direct it at the police structure that shoots African-Americans in the street because they have cell phones in their hands. No more working on the big, vague, vast cloud. Start working the people. And finally, here's the most difficult part. This is the hardest spiritual work that you can do. I give it to you at last because it is the most difficult, magical, and spiritual work that you can do. And I'm not being smart. I'm not being funny. I'm not going for a joke. I'm not going for irony. I'm being dead serious. The absolute best and absolute hardest spiritual and magical work you can do is to live an exemplary life. Then who? If not now. Then when? Live an exemplary life. If not you, then who will? Be exemplary in your behavior. And I guarantee you, this is spiritual work. And I'm not some, this isn't some mamby-pamby crystal-waving pseudo-whatever. I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Live an exemplary life. Support those who are being harmed. Show love. Show compassion. 
Keep your temper. Boy, you want to talk about irony. Professor Porterfield just advised people to keep their temper. But seriously, you have no idea how much I keep my temper. And do what you can do. Support those in their moments of need. And then, and then support them when they are not in need. Because I guarantee you, when this all blows over, we're all going to go back to the way it was. Either the grist for the mill makers are going to win, and it's all going to be this big Islamic thing, or it'll all go under the rug and we'll be back to trying to take the rights and common, common, everyday, just life away from everybody. You've got to remember one thing. We are just people, everyday people. And for now, this may not be the end, but it hopefully, God, I pray, it might at least be the beginning of the end of this sort of thing. Ah, this is not the end. not even the beginning of the end, uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning.
Fort Worth, Texas, and go to Texarkana, and don't back to Fort Worth. Come on down to Dallas, King Kong, Kitty, coming through the territory in Kansas City, and Kansas City, St. Louis, and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way to the I changed cars and jumped in 